Greetings. Welcome to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Michael. A wonderful show for you today, a Thanksgiving special. Last year, we focused on Thanksgiving around this time of year in the origins, the idea of the pilgrims coming uh, to the new world, that person of Squanto, who was the divine instrument of God's providence, the one person on the continent who both spoke English, who was Catholic and so had sympathies for the Christian religion, in sympathy with the pilgrims, but then also as a native was able to be a conduit an instrument of trade and of cultural connection, which ultimately helped those first pilgrims survive uh, the harsh, cold winter. So we saw a little bit about that, if you will, providential formation of Thanksgiving and its origins. This year, want to examine that idea of Thanksgiving as a national holiday, not just a local holiday, uh, that it was uh, celebrated up until the mid-1860s. And in the story of Thanksgiving as a national day of gratitude and celebration, we have three characters. So to examine each one of those characters, first you have the catalyst of Thanksgiving, you have the president who can make it uh, possible for for a national uh, event uh, to be celebrated, and then you have the actual author of the proclamation of Thanksgiving itself. And so to uh, Father Isaiah and I, I will kind of break down and examine and reflect upon those three characters of the proclamation of Thanksgiving as a national holiday that celebrated, as we well know, right before the biggest shopping day of the year, <laughs> that fourth week of uh, Thursday in uh, November. And in the the final uh, piece of our podcast today, I want to actually just read the proclamation as it was originally uh, given as a way of opening our minds and hearts uh, to gratitude in our, in our, in our own families and our, in our own lives. And so whether you're on the go or taking it slow, many blessings as you enjoy today's show. Greetings and welcome back to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Isaiah. That's Father Michael. Here we are again, and we have, we've got something to be thankful for. It's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving week. In fact, talking to some of our families, it's become clear to me that most schools, or many schools, I should yeah, say, are, just have given up on the Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> you know, people, if they're going to go away, will leave on Wednesday. So you already travel. It's like the biggest traveling exactly. day of the year. Yeah. So there are a lot of like family considerate. Like, I don't know if you ever had, you know, parents had to write like a little note to get you out of school if you're like, if you're in school. We never did that as a family, but I uh, remember like a couple of uh, schools that I know of, they took the entire week off and the Catholic elementary school that I was attending. Yeah. My sister and I were very bitter about that. Oh, you know, you could... We only had like Thursday and Friday off and we were like, oh, come on. How come like St. Matthew's and Resurrection, they had the entire week off. Oh, they had the, really? Oh, so even <laughs> then, even then they had the entire week off. Interesting. Yeah. I know in any time, well, most times when we had to be out of school, we were parents or we went somewhere. To, my, my dad would never give you write a note to the school. Uh-huh. And usually in terms of excuses, you'd say, or reasons, you'd say yeah. what we were doing. He always just put, quote unquote, family considerations. <laughs> <laughs> He'd never say exactly what we're doing. He'd just be like, please excuse, you know, Michael, Jennifer, Elizabeth, for family, family considerations. considerations. <laughs> so this is a family, this is a family consideration. You really can't. I mean, you can't really argue with sister principal about that, you know. No. Like, what, this is family time. What, what, can you, <laughs> what can you do for the family considerations? No. So to, so this this week, certainly maybe we thought we'd dive into our second annual annual Thanksgiving special. Indeed. I mean, last year we were talking about Squanto and the very miracle of Squanto himself being that real uh, instrument of God between uh, the Native Americans on Plymouth Rock as well as the uh, the pilgrims that came upon the shores. But this year, what about if we just uh, talk about 
you know, the very necessity of Thanksgiving for our nation and, yeah. you know, the historical context of how Thanksgiving really came about. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good idea. The last year, we, as you said, we kind of hit towards the origins. In fact, I was, I went back and was listening to that. I was, it's, it's interesting in terms of even our sound equipment and stuff, <laughs> how much <laughs> has changed in a, in a year. But that, that, uh, that episode that we did reminded me that literally that, that's confluence of the pilgrims coming from a place uh, where they were looking to establish this kind of Christian commonwealth on the one hand, and the idea that they were brought, as they saw providentially, to basically the only place that they could have really uh, survived in the locale they were, getting, you know, uh, redirected from Manhattan down to where uh, Plymouth Rock is, and literally the one person on the continent who could have helped them and literally saved them was someone, a native, yeah, exactly. Who spoke English, who was and, Christian, who was baptized mm-hmm. by Catholic, baptized mm-hmm. by the Franciscans, and then, <laughs> and then basically was able to be a peacemaker between the natives there and that group that was there, and how helped them to survive the winter. And so you have this basically this little group that had no business surviving right. <laughs> on those foreign shores, yeah. and the one person who was able to save them was just happened to be there. And so that first Thanksgiving, if you will, a kind of moment of gratitude to God's providence that yeah. brought these disparate uh, sort of people together in order to, to, in a sense, celebrate life and, and the new world and the, the, the project of, of wondering if, if indeed a, a Christian land could yeah. be uh, in, indeed established in peace and harmony. A complete proof of providence of this. Uh, the chances of this is astronomical. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the very chances. fact that, uh, that I just learned today that, uh, that the pilgrims were originally, they, they didn't escape England as such, but they actually were from Holland. They, they escaped to Holland first because they were just more religiously tolerant, and then they came over to establish a Christian land here in the Americas. Oh, yeah. No, that was interesting. I know we were talking about that, and we, we kind of the um, common uh, idea is that the pilgrims escaped because of persecution. Right, right. But the idea is, is, is no, they actually had been living for in Holland, which is the most tolerant mm-hmm. of uh, European nations. And they came to the New World not to escape persecution, but to set up a kind of Christian community yeah. mm-hmm. because they were fearful that their children and uh, grandchildren would be kind of swept up in the secularism exactly. of it. So yeah. it was to escape secularism. It wasn't to avoid persecution. And so when they landed, they were, in a sense, not looking to persecute the natives or like take over, but to establish a kind of um, uh, home yeah. that, would, <laughs> that, that, would, that would be uh, shaped and crafted around Christian ideals and not kind of be uh, kind of easily um, influenced or seduced into, into kind of secular society. So that first Thanksgiving, a, a recognition of God's providence that exactly. that they weren't, the, the programs weren't the authors of their life or of, mm-hmm. of, in a sense, culture, but the instruments of God's plan to bring, in a sense, uh, Christianity uh, to to all the world, as yeah. as as he as he tells to the Jewish people to go and preach the nation, go yeah. to preach to all the nations, and the one person they found is already a Christian, yeah. native Christian. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> the seeds cool. were already planted. It's like yeah. truly mysterious and providential. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it's proof of God's providence. So now, of course, that first thing, the original Thanksgiving, going way back, then of course uh, celebrates that moment is that kind of acknowledgement, and then you have even the, like first presidents George Washington and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, declaring or writing some sorts of proclamation that uh, as a country we ought to be uh, give thanks at different times of the year. And from that point on, uh, you have uh, 
different states yeah. or communities marking out a day usually in October, which is when the original Thanksgiving would have been, or at different times in early November for a kind of common celebration of uh, God's gifts in our yeah, lives. harvest the, festivals, that kind of thing. Exactly. And of yeah. course, it goes back to, I mean, the original, the, and this is interesting, I don't know, the, uh, the idea, it comes from a Jew, the Jewish yeah. feast, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when people are like, like, oh, what's the Jewish feast of, of booths, of Sukkot? I said, well, it's like Thanksgiving. Well, it's actually the other way around. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I realize that when I, I keep saying that, I think, no, Thanksgiving is a type of Sukkot, right? And yeah. Sukkot is the original. <laughs> so yeah. if you want to know the origins of Thanksgiving, all the way back, you, you find it in the Torah. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. find it in the Old Testament, yeah. you find it. Where the Jewish people, they would actually in go and, um, in Exodus, they would actually uh, uh, celebrate it by actually li- living a day in, in a booth or in a tent. And why were they in a tent? Because they were at a harvest festival. They were gathering all the all the wheat and all the other things from the harvest, and um, they had to be in the field. <laughs> and the idea there is that they are pilgrims on the way yeah so it's during, their, it's during their it's during their mm-hmm. exodus that is the 40 years that they take to travel yeah the original yeah yeah, yeah. the original the one yeah mm-hmm. Sukkot. and so it's this idea that you give thanks to god not necessarily when everything's kind of blissful and peaceful mm-hmm. and you're kind of settled but precisely when you're still on the way when yeah. you're still a pilgrim and not quite sure if you when or if you'll reach your destination, yeah. not quite sure if you're able to meet the forces, you know, the, those of the hostile nations that are mm-hmm. coming against you in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of division, in the midst of fearfulness. That's precisely yeah. when God says, this is that time to take a moment, take a deep breath and be thankful for what you have. Yeah. And it occurs to me that that idea that he goes all the way back to Sukkoth and uh, the origins of the national holiday, which don't happen uh, until the 1800s, so you have mm-hmm. to fast forward a little bit uh, in our own history, and very famously the first president to uh, inaugurate Thanksgiving on a permanent day as a national holiday is... Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, yeah. right? And so we know as well, here at St. Dominic's we like to read uh, different proclamations of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. just to give ourselves a sense of historical perspective yeah. and to kind of uh, fashion our mind. And this is the one thing about our Catholic faith, which is wonderful. It's not just a kind of uh, spiritual celebration, but it's always tied to real historical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. events, right? And the, yeah. the humanness of our, yeah. uh, of our, of our ritual and, and so to speak. Yeah. That God's providence doesn't end at the Red Sea or on Calvary, but, but rather he's always present to us and always allowing, um, um, that God, ours is a God of history. Yeah, exactly. Ours is a God of history. Yeah. And so these historical events, we can, if we have the right uh, perspective on it, give us a sense of how God is active and working and alive. In fact, I was doing, uh, the right now, one of our Bible studies is doing the book of Revelation. Ah. And one of the points at Revelation, through all of its apocalyptic imagery and kind of, you know, very almost dramatic, <laughs> nightmarish uh, kind of uh, um, s- symbols, the point there is that God, God is not a, has God doesn't create the world and like just set it to do its own thing but God is intimately involved in the actual historical events of life and he can bring even though he doesn't cause death and famine and plague and fires and things like this that he can be present to bring about life in the midst of death and and unity in the midst of division and healing in the midst of of wounds and so the idea that thanksgiving is as a cultural holiday also a kind of uh, spiritual holiday Mm -hmm. i think we can we can we can embrace you even think the mass right yeah yeah i mean the very 
of the mystery that we as Christians celebrate, the Eucharist, um, the liturgy of the Eucharist. What's another word for Eucharist? But if not Thanksgiving, yeah, right? exactly. So, so having Thanksgiving being that true unifying uh, force for the Christian community, and in a and and by extension for our nation and our and our world. Yeah. So for, and I love Thanksgiving uh, mass that we have here at nine thirty every mm-hmm. year because it's oh, just yeah. just one mass during the day, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the morning, and you gather the whole parish. So people that are you know maybe go to one mass or the other in terms of the seven thirty or the nine thirty or the eleven thirty or the nine p.m. They all can come to yeah. the one mass, and yeah. it's a true community celebration yeah. where. Uh, throughout uh, all of the parish, they can. We have one mass to celebrate yeah. the things we're grateful for at the Eucharistic, the Thanksgiving, <laughs> yeah. in a ritual kind of sacramental way uh, thing. So, so anyway, so that that's that that was the uh, kind of the idea of that kind of connection between the secular holiday and our own sense of uh, Catholic spirituality. But maybe to kind of circle back and to kind of dive in a little bit more, particularly to mm-hmm. we talked about the origins last yeah. year. Maybe talk about that next step, the kind of nationalization of of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And what got me thinking about this is is uh, a phrase that I've heard very commonly these days in, in talking to folks um, where people say, well, as a nation, as a country, politically, we just had elections, yeah, elections. and yeah. things like that. But we've never been more divided. Like this is a <laughs> yes. time of more divided. And certainly we can maybe feel that uh, when we talk to friends or around the Thanksgiving table, maybe we might kind of just gently o- avoid perhaps uh, heavy political talk. Or certain names. <laughs> exactly. Or, or exactly. or numbers. Or exactly. Whatever. It's a, not yeah. necessarily a unifying uh, theme in every way. But whenever someone says, oh, we've never been more divided as, as a country, I, my, I have to say in my own mind, I think, that's a little bit. That's a little bit of a hot take, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I just knowing, and this is why I love history. History gives you a little perspective and gives you actual wisdom. There was this thing in the eighteen hundred called the Civil War, where I would <laughs> <laughs> venture to say we are a little more divided as a nation slightly, than we are today. Yeah, like, yeah. like uh, well more. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so <but> please, <laughs> we yeah. never have more divided as a nation. You, you have no idea yeah. of history if that. If you really think that, yeah. you have no idea. Right. That, that couldn't be more further from the truth. There have been so many times in our country where we've been more divided as a country. And I guess the point that that got me thinking is to kind of look at the timetable mm-hmm. for what the country is going through and how Thanksgiving fits into that. Yeah. Because we have to remember the declaration happened under Abraham Lincoln. So yeah. what else is Lincoln known for, right? It's it, not the Civil War. It, it, exactly. In his time of, of adjudicating and guiding the nation through that uh, tempestuous time. And so in kind of in order to kind of give our story today, briefly, I, there are three main characters that mm-hmm. kind of lead to mind. There's certainly the president, of course. right? So you have the person who can make it happen. You have who I call the catalyst, who's this wonderful woman who, uh, in a sense, is catalytic or inspires uh, the president to do it. And then you have the actual author of the Declaration, who is not Lincoln. Lincoln does not write uh, the Thanksgiving Proclamation, which yeah. uh, many people, even who who hear it, just assume Lincoln right. But like many presidents, don't necessarily write all their proclamations yeah. and things they they give it to him. But but even the, the story of the authorship uh, is interesting as well. So we've got we've got our three characters and and our little story of the origins of the national holiday of Thanksgiving. You got the present, you got the catalyst, and you got the author uh, himself. So, so who do we want to start with? Um, let's start with the big man himself. Let's start with Abraham Lincoln himself. Okay, sure. Go for it. 
Yeah, so I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Declaration of Thanksgiving came on the heels of of one of the more momentous battles of the Civil War, namely yeah. Gettysburg. Yeah, so you have certainly Gettysburg is kind of uh, well, depending on your perspective, a high point or a low point, but right. definitely a decisive point. And mm-hmm. it happens in in the uh, in in the summer. It happens in August, August eighth, mm-hmm. where Lee is. Um, uh, defeated, or at least follow, following that. In fact, I think the, uh, the, the actually Gettysburg. That's when Lee, um, uh, I think, resigns. But it's actually early, early July, uh, mm-hmm. right, right around July fourth. Uh, the Battle of Vicksburg was was then. We have Gettysburg in the three days in early July, right. and it's really a turning point in terms of North and South. And from there, you have this cascading effect then of of the South being pushed back. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a fulcrum for the war. Right. Pretty and sure. in that in that moment, then as Lincoln is. Um, I think starting to 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 realize that the as the war becomes more and more likely that the North is going to win, then that's I don't say that's the easy part, but then the more even more difficult part of how do you heal and how do you right. how do you go from you know um, kind of ending cessation of of, viol- of outer kind of physical violence and how do you have a sense of um, healing and a sense of reunification of the country. And this is where the, the catalyst, I would say, in yeah. the story really comes in. A woman by the name of uh, Sarah uh, Josepha Hale. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, in kind of reading a little bit about her, the way I, the way I put it is she seems to be some sort of uh, mix of uh, current day like Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and like Martha Stewart because okay. she, was, she was very much <laughs> involved in kind of the domestic side and giving kind of tips to, you know, middle class women about what's, what's fashionable and, and how to prepare a good table and, and kind of... The but also kind of a trendsetter. Di- yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Kind of definitely a trendsetter in that way. So she, she I think in terms of her own, um, I don't say work or, or her career, was uh, was an author mm-hmm. and an editor and very influential in all things that had to do with uh, uh, literary uh, sorts of genre and most famously yeah. wrote a little poem called... Mary had a little lamb, little lamb. Little lamb. So <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna. That was. Uh, well, that was but she a, did author that, did she not? She did. She authored. Okay. <laughs> she authored the nursery rhyme. Mary had a little lamb, and uh, and in fact, it was the first. Um, the first thing that Edison spoke on his his phonograph. So the very first. Uh, were the author of the first words that were uh, recorded on the uh, on the photograph? Really, were these? Mary, Mary had a little <laughs> lamb. That little children's. But did he uh, sing ditty. it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not as well as you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the opening line. So, so we have this trendsetter, this Sarah Josepha Hale, who uh-huh. this Oprah, Martha Stewart type trendsetter. Yeah. Uh, fa- ver- uh, kind of a. At the time of fashionista, <laughs> yeah. So she contacted like the president's office. That's right. So she, she in fact, was a woman of great, obviously great, not obviously, mm-hmm. but but a great faith too. Yeah. She she was Episcopal. She's Anglican. In fact, she is revered as uh, she's on the calendar in the Episcopal Church ah, in the United okay. States as as a saint. Um, and so she definitely has uh, care for, for 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 the souls for for that sense of a Christian ethic. And she th- saw Thanksgiving, which was celebrated here and there on different days and different locales, as something that could unify the the whole mm, nation. Sure. And she, I thought this for some time. So she uh, wrote letters consistently. 
um, for five administrations even before <laughs> wow, Lincoln. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, she is she is definitely definitely persistent in that way. So she she it wasn't just she just had this idea just and it kind of like oh she had this idea and then all of a sudden it was like oh okay it's going to happen. But but she wrote uh, the the five presidents even before. Uh, Lincoln, in order to ask for, hey, can can we can we do this? And each one of them, you know, Tyler and uh, Taylor and, mm-hmm. and Philip and all all the rest were just just didn't 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 give any response. And it's not till Lincoln where I think uh, he really had a sense uh, that this was this could be a good idea. This this mm-hmm. could be a um, a uh, a unifying force. Um, and uh, she as she writes in her letter, the part of that letter that she uh, wrote. Uh, to uh, Lincoln says says this. She says she says to Lincoln, "You may have observed that for some years past, there's an increasing interest in our land to have Thanksgiving held on the same day, and it now needs national recognition and an authoritative fixation, only to become permanent as an American custom and institution for all time." So at the time, she's she's in her seventies at this point and had been advocating for this for some time. And finally, Lincoln says, "You know what? This is this is this kind of stately matron who's yeah. you know." Know, who's has definitely has street cred, if you will, um, and 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 he uh, saw it as a source of healing for the yes. country too, in the long term. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in, in fact, um, uh, the uh, the day that Lincoln picks to have this proclamation issued on October third uh, was the day um, uh, that uh, George Washington himself. Uh, Issued it, so he kind of uses oh. uses that day because October was the original what, m- the day that most most places were celebrating a kind of Thanksgiving. Although he moves it to the end of, uh, as we all know, the the end of uh, November for us as it's as, oh, wow. as it's today. Okay. But yeah, so that, that that catalyst of this Christian woman who has certainly a pension for um, uh, for you know uh, children's education, mm-hmm. as you say, a sense of family and family values and things like uh-huh. that, seeing Thanksgiving as, if you will, a kind of national holiday to bring families and peoples and the communities together and just needs a kind of national recognition and so is able to kind of nudge Lincoln to, to consider this once again. And, and to his credit, uh, as Lincoln does often, if even if he, he doesn't have the ideas, very quick to see good ideas and to take them in hand, and uh, and so yeah, that was that that was the origin of it. Uh, this this kind of um, uh, campaign, if you will, by uh, by this by Sarah. multi administration campaign. That's yeah, been, yeah. So it's been very much part of our heart. exactly. Which then, so then I thought, well, that's that's you know how you've got this uh, woman who kind of agitates for it, but then. Who do you have in terms of actually authoring it is not um, Lincoln. Lincoln gives it his stamp of approval, yeah. but he actually asks his Secretary of State. He's a good leader. He delegates <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> Amen. so Secretary of State uh, Seward at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. William H. Seward, yeah. who of course is uh, perhaps best known. When I when I when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's that that's that guy who. Who, who had his great folly, right? Yeah, the the Seward's folly, which is uh, state of Alaska. <laughs> exactly yeah. the state of Alaska, um, buying Alaska. But this is this is this happens year before. But in kind of looking at Seward's life, I, I, you think once again, here's someone who is Secretary of State. But if mm-hmm. you ever, I don't know if you've read, have you ever read Team of Rivals? Which I is never, I never uh, finished no, it. Oh, you never. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's, call me out. That's not. <laughs> That's not a very great recommendation. <laughs> no. I guess we're going to do that for the book. Uh, okay, edit out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
but the, the point <laughs> the point being is that Lincoln saw his cat when when he once he was elected uh, gathered together not those who had been politically just kind of yes men for him but but actually mm-hmm. people who had been his rivals mm-hmm. and and Seward was such a person who campaigned for him ultimately but started out as someone who was seeking the Republican nomination early on in fact uh, was against the, Lincoln against yeah. Lincoln in fact was yeah. a front runner Lincoln was kind of a dark it was kind of came out of nowhere he was a dark horse that way because um, and it was a mixture I think if you if you kind of look into it. Seward thought he had it wrapped up, so he didn't even bother going to Chicago for the convention. Mm-hmm. He thought he would just, he was on, he sat back on his estate in, <laughs> in the East Coast and had a cannon commission so that he could, it could fire off when his nomination came through. So he thought he had it sewn up, so a little bit of hubris there. But, <laughs> but what actually turned the tide in, in kind of political circles was the fact that Seward was very much anti-slavery and from the mm. Republican side was, was um, almost democratic at that time. The Democratic Party very much was the kind of the party leaning that way. But, but he was very much um, uh, an abolitionist in, in right. every way. In fact, had had sold part of his um, some of his estates that he owned to Harriet Tubman to use from the Underground oh, wow. Railroad. Yeah, so wow. he, he kind of put his money in his, his land, his property, where yeah. where his ideals were. Governor of New York, and something that caught my eye was very much critiqued. Uh, for his sympathy and his legislation around the Catholic immigration. Mm. Because at the time, you had all these immigrants in New York, Italian, uh, Irish, and so forth, who had come to uh, to New York. And the public school system at the time uh, was a little haphazard, but what was there in terms of religious education, such as in yeah. public school teaching religious education, yes, it happened. <laughs> and it was early on that was that was necessary, but very anti-Catholic. Right. And so the Catholics would complain that, you know, they're, they're not teaching, especially for folks that didn't know the language so well, had, their native language was more uh, easy for them. So a kind of anti-immigration, anti-Catholic right. stance in some of the public school settings and so they petitioned to basically be able to set up their own schools, have the yeah. government uh, fund and support a Catholic school education. <laughs> now, he didn't go that far, and he was politically not able to do that. But what he does do is to to divide all the regions into what we would know as school districts, basically, in order that um, the areas of heavy Catholic immigration population would have the ability to kind of form schools that would give them more voice, right? And so in, in a oh, sense, okay. setting up what becomes ultimately the network of parochial schools yeah. um, for, for, for the state of, of New York and, and beyond. So S- Secretary Seward, when he was governor of New York, he indirectly or, or a, had a hand in what we see as the parochial Catholic school system. Yeah, at least allowed for it. He certainly, yeah, he, was, he, he, it. he, stra- yeah. I mean, he was on the public side, so he was, he of was, course, he, yeah. he built the public school system that way, but he built it in such a way as to allow for a kind of diversity. Right. That was the point, and not just a kind of, uh, kind of just block kind of thing where it was coming down from. So giving it that kind of diversity and nimbleness of, of community. So that was another kind of strike against him when it when it came ah. to garnering the the uh, nomination. nomination for <laughs> they okay. thought maybe he was he was he wasn't uh, he was a little bit too radical in that way. Anyway, he ends up losing. Obviously, not getting the nomination. He does campaign for Lincoln, yeah. but uh, and then when Lincoln. Um, uh, you know, asked him to be Secretary of State. He's, I think he's, he, as uh, all reports, if you read that team of rivals, he's not necessarily keen on it. But once again, he thinks that maybe he'll have more political clout than Lincoln. So he'll yeah. actually, he'll bully Lincoln around a little bit, be the kind of the shadow president. Abraham but, Lincoln. But he, yeah. but yeah, but, but, but he <laughs> underestimated Lincoln again. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, the, the point is that he certainly, um, 
uses his uh, prodigious talent to be one of, one of the, by all reports, one of the finest secretaries of state that we've, we've ever had. And it's he who writes ah. the proclamation. Proclamation for Thanksgiving. Proclamation for Thanksgiving, holiday. and yeah. in fact, uh, Lincoln comments to him that he thinks it's it's one of um, uh, the finest things that they have done together, kind of jointly in terms yeah. of that. Just really thought that was when he read it, he just thought it was spot on. And this is uh, so he yeah. and that's penned and, and, and given on the October third. And this is where the dates become interesting for me yeah. because on October third, it's uh, declared that it's going to be the very, very final. Thursday, the last Thursday of every November. Uh, these days, it's the fourth, depending on where, how the weeks fall. But basically, the last last end of November that we're going to celebrate this Thanksgiving, and the first Thanksgiving is celebrated as a country nationally a week before Lincoln goes to Gettysburg to give his famous speech, his his famous Gettysburg address. So you so you celebrate Thanksgiving, and you can only think that it's in that spirit of 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 Thanksgiving that you have um, the Gettysburg Address kind of contextualized. And anyway, wow. it's interesting to think about the context of Thanksgiving and then from that, this kind of epic uh, speech, brief as it is, mm-hmm. articulating the idea that these soldiers who have died are, are, are dying, a, not for a, a sense just in one battle out of many, but as a kind of testament to the fact that can a people govern themselves, a people that are yeah. so divided and have such a sense of um, disharmony, can that sense of um, unity even be possible through the shedding of blood, right? So right. here you have almost, you know, once again, Christian spiritual themes yeah. that, that come out. He says, we're not here to dedicate uh, this sacred land or this land as sacred, but the, the lives that were lost make the land sacred. Yeah. And it's, uh, once again, these, these themes of, of, of gratitude and yet even in the midst of bloodshed, a sense that even the shedding of blood can be the source of, of healing and unity. Yeah. Just very incisive and in certainly why it becomes one of the greatest speeches, I think, of, of yeah. you might argue, of, of all of American history uh, in its way. But it's, it's given in the context of, if you will, the, yeah. the week of Thanksgiving, yeah. in those days before Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, just uh, the very thought of the necessity of giving thanks being that unifying force once again. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure, in, in every way. So you've got this catalyst, this this champion woman who's 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 <laughs> yeah. who's saying we need this. You have Seward, who uh, himself has has uh, could have kind of. Um, been bitter, resentful, retired from politics after after he's defeated several times and, and is his plans are awry. And then Lincoln himself, uh, who uh, is is <laughs> has this uh, responsibility to govern in, in a, in a kind of not only to to be forceful in making war, but then and then bringing the healing of peace, uh, as we know um, he was uh, with God's grace able to do. Uh, and this is just, of course, before uh, the assassination and, and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting thing that that I following up Seward with himself was part of the assassination plot, and is actually oh. almost more <laughs> mortally wounded <laughs> in, on that same night that Lincoln is shot. He stabbed you know multiple times in, in his in his home as he was actually uh, down with some kind of virus or flu at the time but ends up surviving and ends up doing things like buying alaska for 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 cents on the dollar <laughs> so so he has a he has a prodigious thing so so on this week of thanksgiving uh certainly want to just once again i just go back to that and say whatever divisions or whatever um fears or anxieties as as a nation that we face that thanksgiving itself is a testament to in the midst of that 
sort of division or that sense of uh, national anxiety or the problems that we have um, can bring us together if we truly uh, give thanks for what we have and allow, once again, God to be part of our culture. We open our hearts and our minds to the fact that our God is a God of history. Uh, Our God is present to us and that it's through uh, real events in real time that God can both bring his spirit to bear to heal to renew and as we say to to radiate that joy so on the on this beautiful Thanksgiving week in uh, in that spirit of Thanksgiving we give thanks to you who have been listening to uh, to our podcast for the past uh, these past uh, 18 months and all that so so on the on behalf of the parish as well yeah. as the Priory uh, Thanksgiving to all of you who are listening to St. Dominic's Weekly yeah happy Thanksgiving <laughs> in, in every way may all that we do truly give thanks and radiate that joy of the gospel here in the heart of the city amen amen <laughs>